the gladiator mentality and people look at us like, oh, okay, really? Or, yeah, really. All right, let's do this. Diamond Envy Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler McComas. Diamond Envy is always brought to you by Cavens Group. You know what to do. Check them out, cavensgroup.com. Is, uh, who, who's cutting the onions in here right now? What, what, what's going on? Patty getting emotional has got the rest of us getting emotional right now as she, you know, thinking about Marita Hines Field and the fact that they built a championship program there. She's thinking about all the coaches that have come and gone through there. She's thinking about her sons both coaching there as well. Patty Gasso, I mean, in, in a lot of ways herself, kind of grew up at Marita Hines Field but it is no more for OU home games as Love's Field officially opens on Friday. A new era of OU softball is here, which I've said that I feel like multiple times since the end of last season. It doesn't get any less weird when I say out loud new era of OU softball. It just feels strange to say. It feels weird to say we're smack dab in the middle right now of an, of an historic win streak, trying to pile on another national championship. It, it's a new era when you think about a new stadium and a new conference upcoming. New era doesn't have to be a bad thing. I, I don't think that it is a bad thing. I think even more exciting times are ahead with the crown jewel now of college softball facilities-wise and entering the best conference in all of college softball. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's just different. It just feels weird to say a new era of OU softball. Because normally you say that when a coach retires, like an historic coach retires. It's a new era of Alabama football. That sounds right. Saban's gone. They're not getting a new stadium. They're not changing conferences. But Saban's on his way out. Patty Gasso ain't leaving. She's still here. But it is. It's a new era of OU softball and it's exciting. I, I'm excited about it. Just a lot of memories will be left behind there at Marita Hines Field, and that's got Patty emotional, as you're about to hear. I'm sure that's got a lot of former players maybe a little emotional. Bittersweet is kind of what we've heard all along on the Diamond Envy podcast when talking to former players about leaving Marita Hines Field but going to, um, to Love's Field. And, and just in case you missed it, I'll go ahead and play it now. Here was Patty on Tuesday night being asked about leaving the old park for the new park? Um, well, there's so many memories here that I couldn't even start. I mean, I'm That's not going to do this right now. <laughs> no, no, don't make me look. I'm not going to look out there. No. Um, we've built championships here. So it's, I've had a lot of coaches come in and out. I've watched my sons coach here. So, 30 years, it's time to move into a mansion. <laughs> We've been living on the east side. It's time to move into a mansion. <laughs> so as you see, like there are times when we will hear Patty get emotional. The last time I could think of Patty getting emotional was after Jocelyn Allo and that group played their last game and beat Texas in the championship series. Like, the emotions really just kind of came out of Patty there of that crop of players, that group of players playing their last game at OU. And then we really got an inside look at just how hard it is, game in and game out, day in and day out, 
living up to the incredible and probably even unrealistic expe- expectations and how hard that is to deal with. So we, we've we seen Patty get emotional. It doesn't happen a lot. She really only gets emotional by things that really that mean deeply to her. And as you can imagine, all the memories at the park at Marita Hines Fields, um, it's, it's, it's emotional, that's for sure, because it's not just the championships won and the players and the coaches or – her family and her kids have grew up there as well, so I you could absolutely see why um, she would get so emotional uh, about this weekend. And that's the thing; like we'll get into the games coming up this weekend because I think it will be an entertaining slate of softball games in Norman. Um, but this is about Love's Field, is it? Is it not? Like that's kind of the storyline this weekend. Now, of course, a new storyline can emerge; like something incredible can happen, and something incredible probably will happen. That will be the main storyline when we talk again on Sunday. But as of right now, it's what does the park look like? How ready is it? What what's the fan experience for game one? And I'm gonna be counting on you that are out the at the games this weekend to let me know. Whether that's on Twitter, uh, the DMs, just tweet at me, Tyler underscore McComas, email Tyler McComas08 at Yahoo. Like wh- however you want to contact me, I would love to hear about your experiences at Love's Field. Good, bad, indifferent. I'm going to guess that it's probably going to be awesome, but the park is not a finished product just yet. I'm, I'm sure that there's going to be maybe a difficulty or two getting in, you know, something. But in due time, when it's completed, and it doesn't sound like it's going to take that long to, to, to be completed, I, uh, I think you're going to be very happy with the, uh, with the overall product there. Uh, the new crown jewel in softball loves field. But that's the storyline. The Oklahoma shaped scoreboard gets a lot of attention. That will get a lot of attention on the broadcast. Going to be excited to see what the reaction is nationally amongst the softball world once people see that for the first time. But that's that's the main storyline. And like I said, very curious to how everyone's experience is this weekend. Because we've waited for this day for a long time. And Friday it's here. Friday it's here. And you don't open up a lot of new stadiums in collegiate athletics. And we talked about this a couple of episodes ago, but you know, you'd redo, you have renovations to the football stadium. And does it feel new in some ways when you do that? Yeah, sure. Whether it was uh, upgrading the what uh, east side upper deck twenty years ago, the south end zone seven eight years ago, it kind of feels like a new stadium in some ways. But it's not actually a brand new stadium. That doesn't happen a lot at OU or in collegiate athletics. And that's what's happening here. And I think that's why, or one of the many reasons why it's so special. Um, I I do want to bring this up before we get to our guest. And if you didn't read the headline, Kelly Bryce is going to join us. All-American national champ, favorite on the podcast. You all love her. I know. I I see all the messages that, that you send after Kelly is on the podcast. She's awesome. And she's perfect to talk to because she grew up at Marita Hines Field. She's been going to games at Marita Hines Field for a long time, really essentially ever since she left OU. So what does it feel like for her this weekend as her beloved Sooners open up a new park? We'll talk to Kelly in just a few minutes. I did want to play this, though. Bob Stoops came on the radio show on Tuesday, uh, The Rush on the Ref. Download the KREF app, and you can listen to that daily from 2 to 6 p.m. But I asked Bob about Patty being statue-worthy. It really wasn't a question of, hey, Bob, do you think... Patty Gasso statue worthy or not? It was really just kind of a statement, and he could comment on that one. But yeah, Bob would know who and who isn't statue worthy. He's got one on campus already. And yeah, as you can imagine, Bob says, well, yeah, of course Patty is statue worthy. 
Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah she's incredible. Uh, always has been. I enjoyed working and being in meetings with her when I was there and just a true professional. And, uh, yeah, I love it uh, for the success they're having. And it, it, they look what – I, what I love about what they're doing right now is rather than feeling pressure – of a streak or, you know, even last year, I, I commented to Patty on this, the joy and the excitement they play with is true. And that's what that's what keeps you from getting tight and the, the love of the game. And, you know, that allows you to be at your best and they are, you know? Uh, so anyway, it's, uh, you know, Patty's reaching them the right way, obviously. And um, as well as the other assistant coaches and, and team leaders. So anyway, I'm, I'm excited for them and, uh, when it comes to statues, I know OU tried a long time ahead of me retiring. I said, no way do I want one before I'm, you know, before I'm out of here. So, uh, so I, I wonder if Patty's the same way. But if she isn't, they need to put one up as soon as they can. <laughs> it's really cool to see how much those two respect one another. It's a deep, genuine respect. I think it's a deep, genuine friendship those two have. I've asked Bob enough questions about Patty Gasso to really gather that. And if you were to ask Patty about Bob, you you would kind of hear the same sentiment. You would hear the same sentiment. And to hear half of OU's all-time Mount Rushmore be that close to friends, respect one another the way that they do, is is really cool. I I mean, I think for any OU fan, you hear those two talk about one another, and it's like, yeah, respect that individual, how much they won, the way they went about things. Pretty cool to hear Bob uh, speak on Patty. All right, but let's get to it. Interview this week. I can't wait for this one. Hint, guys, it's really good. Here's Kelly Breitch. All right, you know her, you love her, you get excited when she puts something out on Twitter because I see all of you saying, well, it must be a big deal if Kelly's out here tweeting. She's a national champ. She's an All-American and an all-around good person, Kelly Breitch. It's been way too long, Kelly. How you it been? has been. It's, thank you guys for having me back. I appreciate it. How, how does that feel when you put something out on social media, whether it's Courtney or several other Suter fans out there? It's like, oh, my gosh, Kelly just said something. It must be a big deal. And they they do get it. I get a good chuckle because I, I can't always um, see all the comments because I go, th- you know, there's like sometimes so many. I can't always see them all. And so Courtney will fill me in sometimes. But I love it that I uh, entertain people just by <laughs> Uh, you know, a tweet or an X or whatever they call it now. But yeah. I was really offended. They had such a good game. You know, oh, you, you got what four and eight at that time, OSU in Washington. Why would you not have it on? Like they had all the other games on later that day. So, and you know, you know how I am. I root for OSU when they're not playing OU because it's a state school. So, yeah, and we'll talk about the Big Twelve later on. Four teams in the big, uh, four teams in the top ten right now. It's a really good league. It is, but. It's been emotional around here this week, Kelly. <laughs> um, and I love having you on any time, but I definitely wanted to have you on this week because of what's going to happen on Friday. Patty doesn't get emotional a whole lot, but when she gets emotional, it's because something she really cares about has just happened or is about to happen. So Patty got emotional on Tuesday night, not necessarily about Love's Field, but leaving Marita Hines Field. And I'm just curious how you feel because Patty, she raised two kids on that field. She built a national championship program on that field. You play on that field. I mean, a, a big mo- big moments of your life happen there. How do you feel now that OU is not going to be playing at Marita Hines Field anymore? 
Well, I mean, as you know, I got spoiled, extra spoiled on it because I won a state championship in mm -hmm. 98 with Broken Arrow there. So that was my first experience of a championship there. Then obviously the the following years to continue. Um, it was, you know, we went to the, you know, uh, technical last game there last year. And um, I took some dirt and kept some dirt and uh, got the little vials and sent them out to some of the teammates that asked me about them. So, um Man, it, it is. It's like, you know, uh, when you leave your house at 18, you're like, oh, I'm a grown up now. Now I got to go, you know, move over here. And I did watch coach. She, man, I, she, she's a little bit more emotional behind the scenes, I think, sometimes with things yeah. like that. But man, she really let it out. And like, and none, none of the reporters were easy on her about it either. But, you know, it's, it's, um, not only did she raise her boys there, you know, we always like to say the 2000 uh, group likes to say we raised JT there. <laughs> So um, DJ was young enough. He just kind of, you know, did whatever he told him, but you know, JT was, and so it's uh, it's a weird closure, but then also it's like, okay, we get to get, go into this state of the art um, facility with, I love the scoreboard. I think it's so hysterical that Josie did that for us. Like, cause I can hear coach being like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. And then she sees it and she's like, okay, that's sweet. So it's uh it's hard, but I mean, I know that like, they're still going to play some games there. They're not, I think it'll be even harder when they completely tear it down. Cause you know, eventually they will, but I think uh, until then it's, it's man, it's just try to enjoy it as you can. You know, anybody who hasn't been by alumni hasn't been by man, go see it before it's gone for sure. Well, I mean, and you just brought up a few moments there, state championship and, of course, the 2000 season, your entire career. But when you think of that park, when you think of Marita Hines Field, I guess what immediately comes to mind for you? Um, I think the the changes that we, we've gone, you know, when we first started, all it was was basically a field in the bathroom. Um, that was the, the first get-go. And then, like, you know, and then we got a locker room. And then um, – they, after I was gone, of course, they incorporated the indoor and then they started putting not just the like six to eight bleacher seats in, they put in the big uh, grandstands and then they put like the really big one right next to short. Cause I used to, if the ball went foul, I used to be able to kind of lean up against the fence and fans would be there, you know, and now it's like really, really high. And so it's just, it's, it's awesome to see how it's grown throughout the years and all the hard work that all of the girls have done and, you know, going all the way back to the girls that played at Reeves, you know, I will always appreciate, they had to pick up probably beer cans and cigarette butts, rake their own field. And, and I've played at Reeves. They're not the best fields, but you know, they did all that for us to get to the stadium with, you know, no locker room. And then we kept going and now we have this beautiful thing and it's just, it's it's probably going to pull my heartstrings a little bit more when I get down there Saturday. But, um, man, through – you know, we used to have a chain-link fence. My my freshman year was a chain-link fence. And, you know, you see that at the bigger tournaments these days. You don't really see it. And even, like, Mary Nutter's got a chain-link, but it's got the, like, advertisement on it. We had the little yellow um, safety tube so that we, like, didn't rip our arm or our uh, jersey going over it. Um, and I know girls that have flipped over it and broken a nose. And so it's, it's all the transitions throughout the years and just to watch how not only softball has grown, but our field has grown. And, you know, luckily now we've outgrown it. So.
I was asked an interesting question. I just want to see how you respond to it. So Patty has developed this championship mindset. And what's the championship mindset at OU? Well, I think you can say a lot of different things, but it's a blue-collar mentality that this program has had. It a lot of home runs, a lot of strikeouts, highlight plays, but there's a blue-collar mentality within the program. And maybe what's helped that blue-collar mentality is maybe you haven't had the best facility in college softball. Now you are moving into the crown jewel of the sport. Do you think in any way that affects the blue-collar mentality championship mindset whatsoever at all? Uh, no, because Coach won't let it. Yeah. Um, there has been times throughout which um, I'm trying to think the – it was probably, I think, 2017, we went uh, down to a game. My, my mother actually got honored as one of the military, um, whatever they call that, uh, players of the game, military styles. So they were giving her her award. We went inside to see the locker room and the updates, and Coach had um, some of their stuff like lined out in the middle of the um, locker room. And I said, oh, you're still doing that? And she kind of chuckled. And coach will take away anything from you if you're not working that blue collar that she expects you to work. She she will strip you of practice gear. You'll be wearing some plain white tube socks, some plain uh, shorts. T-shirt might have to be inside out because that's the only practice shirt you have. She'll make it where you don't get some of the things that you think you should get because you're not working hard enough. Or, you know, <clears throat> she took our... Uh, national championship rings away in 2001 because she thought we were getting a little bit too big for our britches. And she was like Monday, uh, it was after the Cal state Fullerton tournament, the key uh, kickoff. She said, everybody have their championship rings in my office in the safe Monday. And we were kind of like, what? Like, you gotta be kidding me. And she's like, Nope. She goes, you're thinking too much about that. We need to focus on this. Um, and, and I don't think our group ever got our equipment or stuff taken away, but I did hear, um, Heather Scaglione, you know, my best bud told me that she took away some, um, cleats and different, like you had to wear old gang cleats and stuff like that. And they, she might've even made him go over to Reeves and practice once. I mean, she, she will keep all that in check. And so I, I don't think, and she'll also make everybody very appreciative. Like, you know, Hey, all this past including some of the, obviously this team now has gotten us here. You keep pushing forward and it creates it more and more. And then when you can come back, you know, you can look at this and go, Oh, look at this. So she'll keep them in check. I'm not even worried about that. You know, I I want to hear what you think about this year's team and a a big storyline coming into the year. And I think you and I even talked about it last year. It's who's going to replace Grace Lyons at shortstop. Now, I think Patty even said during the fall that, well, we'll have multiple players at that position to start the year that really hasn't been the case it's been tra and i think tra has been pretty good there so as an all-american shortstop yourself what have you what have you seen from tra up to this point defensively that you like or just kind of your total evaluation at this point uh, i mean um i knew uh after i think after i talked to coach there was basically up to three people that were going to possibly go there and um hodge uh Brito, and of course Jennings. And I think it kind of, you, she's always very good about like keeping it um, consistent. She likes to keep consistent. She'll move people in and out, but I don't think she wanted to move Brito away from third. Obviously Jennings is doing great. And then Hodge over at second. 
and they have a good chemistry because they've been doing it for so long. But I think uh, Jennings has started out the year really good. Um, I know that was it the last game in the Mary Nutter. I think we or the second to last. They, there was a few errors from the infield that I don't think I've seen in a while. But it's early. You want to get those out now. But other than that, I think she's. I think she's doing great. Um, I love her um, quiet leadership that she does. She's not, you know, super uh, yelly or, you know, anything like very vocal. She leaves that for the other girls and she just leads by example. And I think she's doing a great job so far. And I think she'll work out well there. What about the offense as a whole? Uh, Patty kind of voiced, I mean, if you want to call it frustrations after the team went to Louisiana. And I thought they bounced back well at the Mary Nutter this past weekend, but Patty wasn't necessarily happy after the second weekend of the year. Um, just what do, you, what do you think overall offensively up to this point from, from what you've seen? Well, I mean, I think – I don't want to say struggling. I don't think – we say struggling because we're used to them just, you know, batting 1,000, batting Blue 900. Blue program problems is what I call it. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's also – we've set our bar so high that it just because our numbers maybe have dropped 100 points all of a sudden, oh, everyone's in a panic. I mean, it's early in the season – um, I'm not too worried about it. Plus, everybody, I think, also is, if you look at the stats across, you know, the top 15 teams, man, they are tearing up some balls. And it's it becomes easier as you're, like, you know, all these seniors that we have, you have all this game footage on them. You can get all of their really, you know, like, oh, we got to get her this. Um, I don't even remember who it was. Got the same pitch, like, four times in a row because – she, the pitcher knew hey, I need to just get it on this corner here and there's going to be a strike and she doesn't like that. And so you, you learn more as you go and you know, it, it gets easier. Um, I think at, for pitchers to defend or other teams to defend against it. And also, cause we're always on TV, like everybody's on TV now, which is a beautiful thing. And so I think we start a little slow. Um, I'll even go as far as which coach Gasso would probably beat me for saying this, but the weather at McNeese, it was, no, I mean, I, I felt bad for Plank calling the games and yep. watching the people bundled up there. I, and, and I want to say, oh, that doesn't matter. Man, when it comes down to it, that it does matter. Your body just doesn't get moving in the same way. Um, I don't want to say you, you want to complain about it, but I do recall being in Texas when our first uh, tournaments, uh, I think it was my sophomore year, and I thought to myself, this is wrong to have us play in that. And eventually they did end up canceling it. But I think it's a slow start, but it's also uh, good. You don't want to peak yet anyways. So you don't want to be super high because then it's like, where else do you have to go but down? So I think you have all the normal um, struggles, maybe swinging, uh, pressing a little bit, swinging at pitches we don't typically do. I think that would be the main thing I see is, you know, we, you know, lay off the high ones. We want those dry balls. Rise balls go out of the ballpark really easy. So I think it's just a little fine tuning here and there and we'll be right back on track and no one will be panicked because we'll be right back on their same numbers too. Yeah. I mean, if you want to go back to preseason storylines, replacing grace and then what does life look like after Jordy, it's probably one and two, but I like what I've seen in the circle thus far. You've had oh. what six pitchers who yeah. I think have all performed at a pretty high level. And I, I still think there's this thought out there because I've heard it like, well, I don't know if OU can, I don't know if OU has an ace or they're going to have an ace that can carry this team to a national championship like Jordy did. Well, maybe they don't need that with the defense and the offense they have. I really like Kelly Maxwell, though. I really like Kelly Maxwell. As a starter in relief, she's been good in both of those spots. 
What have you seen overall from Kelly and just the pitchers as a whole up to this point? Well, I'm really excited about, I mean, you know, we had two, maybe three pitchers go and, and usually had a, just two of them rotated in and out. You know? mm-hmm. So to have six, man, that's awesome. But I think, you know, we've talked about pitch by committee. That's kind of the thing it's become. I mean, everybody's doing it. Um, I think McNeese and was it Lamar? They were switching pitchers like every other inning. Yep. And so I think it's just, it's kind of what the world's become. Um, I absolutely love the addition of Kelly Maxwell. Um, I know I talked about her last year when we were playing them and how nice she was out there at that steaks that they were cooking for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, had no idea that we would, this would be the way it ended up, you know, with her leaving and then coming here. But um, I think she's had a great transition. I think she's pitching lights out. Um, I think she's pitching more comfortable than she was. Um, I think maybe she was pressing a little bit in the fall last year when I did see a few things. Um, SJ coming out, tearing it up. Um, you know, I, I know that's uh, got to be difficult for her because she sat for a whole year for, with a red shirt and you, your anticipation. And I love what coach did. She was like, you know, I just got her out there for a few batters and I pulled her right back, gave her a little, you know, nibble and then sent her back out the next day. And I mean, she dominated. K deal obviously is coming in, um, rocking it. Uh, May is May steady, steady Eddie May who, you know, you're just, you know, she just goes out and does her thing. Um, and the Wisconsin wonder, which I happen to love that nickname. Uh, my mom's side of the family is all from Wisconsin. So to have the Wisconsin wonder on the team, I love it. Um, I mean, they're just, um, I think they're doing, everyone's doing uh, great. Uh, Keeney, is it Keeney? Okay. Got to make sure I say those last names, right? So yeah, Keeney come in and I mean, you know, doesn't look like the pressure that I would assume she would have. Um, And so I think everyone's just really confident. Of course you have the best pitching coach ever in Jen Rocha, who I always talk about. She is like, I don't know if I've ever heard her yell. Like she's not, you know, she's one of all coaches have different techniques, but she's just like super soft-spoken. So I can just see her being very therapeutic if you're getting hyped up and stuff. So, I I mean, I think we're going to have different star studs at different times and all of them, all six are going to impress you by the end. And you're not going to know who to say who the lead is. Um, I'd only say our ace right now would be May just because she's been here the longest, you know? So, but I mean... I'm stoked with this because if, if you're just having a bad day, we all have a bad day as it, uh, anytime, you know, but with pitchers, it can come and go it just for no reason. So now you have five other people to say, hey, I got you. I just love the approach that this program has taken during the regular season with pitchers. It's she'll throw five, six pitchers and that gets five, six pitchers legitimate experience. And it's not like. Maybe maybe Maxwell starts on Friday. Maybe May starts on Saturday. But whoever your fifth and sixth are, Kelly, Patty's still putting those pitchers in tough situations. It's not just we're up 10 in the fourth inning. No. No, like SJ's first action was against what, McNeese State, I think, in a close game that, that yeah. first weekend. Like, yep. it, it was her first action. It was, it was in a tough scenario there. I like it for that to get – five, six pitchers, legitimate experience throughout the year because you never know what's going to happen in postseason. But maybe more than anything, I like it that it keeps everyone fresh going into the postseason. 
because there's teams out there, they've got the race, they've got a solid number two and maybe a number three that they like to pitch as well. But they get so many innings throughout the year, hottest time of the year, maybe you get fatigued. I just, I rarely ever see that with OU when it comes to the postseason because they spread the wealth so out so much throughout the regular season. Well, and, and Coach has talked about uh, Paige Parker that she, I think she said in one of the last press conferences, she's like, I almost killed the girl. She goes, I just, you know, she did it. She obviously did it very well. But um, I liked, especially down in uh, Puerto Vallarta, that they had like, um, I think Kelly pitched to like two. And then our Wisconsin Wonder came and pitched for two. And it almost looked like a baseball game. Yep. You know, I don't, I, I think maybe it was lefty on lefty type situation. And it was just, I was just like this, even for us, that was a little unique, but Hey, she coach said, I've got them. Why don't I use them all and be a little bit more strategic with my play, game play. And then you never know. You have six people that you have to scout and figure out what they pitch and what their ghost twos are. And I mean, that is that it wasn't easy to do it with two or three. It's definitely not going to be easy to do it with six. I don't know if you've uh, realized the storyline or not. Not a lot of people are talking about it. It's a very small storyline. Oh, he's on a small winning streak right now. 67 <laughs> games. I don't, I wouldn't fault you if you haven't seen that. Cause not very many people are, are, are talking about it right now, but 67 games. It's just, it's just insane. And the way that I'm approaching it, Kelly, and I'm not the one that has to live with the pressure of that game in and game out. So it's easy for me, but I just think that this is a record, whatever the number ends up being, it's never going to be broken again in college softball. So I'm just choosing to enjoy the moment and recognize that this is probably something that we're never going to see again in the sport. How do you think, Patty, like, how do you think she handles the 67-game win streak, what she tells the team? What does it look like from inside the locker room, I guess? I think initially with the original record, it was uh, a little pressing. I could tell by the way Coach would talk about it and stuff like that. It's, you know, it's – it's. Uh, like the old baseball myth, I'm on a hitting streak. Shh, don't talk about it. I think once they did it and they got a few games past it, you know, and that was last season. I know all the fans keep up with it, but the, you know, the, all the players think, okay, this is kind of our preseason before our conference season. And I don't want to say they don't really pay attention to it, but it's kind of gone so far past the record breaking thing. It's eh. plus I know most, athletes as hard as it is for fans to hear you like to lose a game every once in a while because you want to remember what it it's like to sting and to be angry about it whether you play a great game and get beat or you forgot to show up that day losing is not as bad as everybody thinks it is and you know with all all the teams this year big 12 especially man we're gonna have you know uh obviously texas and we play a three-game series, you know, back in the day, we played a two-game series. It was a little easier. Those three-game series are hard to win. I, I can probably guarantee you would always win at least two or more than likely win at least two. But when you start going to that third game and everybody's seen everybody, you know, no matter if you're Texas or whoever else, it's, it's difficult. And, I mean, I definitely think OSU's really got it going on this year. Texas obviously is doing great. Baylor has done some upsets. Uh, Kansas ended up beating Texas A&M the other day, who was undefeated. So, I mean, we got a lot of nitty-gritty and, and sleepers, I like from sneaky sleepers, that will come in. If you ain't on your game that day, they're going to bite you. So I would be surprised if we made it 
through Big 12 without losing maybe two or three games because they're three game series, though. If they were just two games, I'd be like, now we're good. But it, it's it's a nice record to have, but I can tell you that coach doesn't really care about it. The girls probably don't really care about it. It's it's a bragging right, but at the end of the year, they want to walk out national championships and winning that last game like they had the last three. I, I, we haven't talked about this individual player yet, and I wanted to with you because I'm a huge fan. I know you're a huge fan too, but you're trailing Washington. You need a big hit. Why? Well, I guess, actually, this was an extra innings. Two outs, runner at third base, you need a hit. Guess who's up? Riley Boone. Guess what happened? She gets a hit. Feels like every time Riley Boone is up at the plate with two outs, she's going to come through and she's going to get a hit. She constantly brings energy to the team. And maybe people around here, even people nationally, when they think of this team, they think of Tiare, they think of Kinsey, they think of Jada. Maybe that's the first thing to think about. But I love some Riley Boone. And I think that she is just such a valuable piece of all of this because of what she brings with two outs and on the base pass, at the plate, defensively. She's just, how can you not love Riley Boone? How can you not? I think everyone does love Riley Boone, yourself included, I'm sure. Uh, well, she's the Oklahoma girl too, yeah. you know, and she's, she's not too far away from Broken Arrow where we're from. So, um, I, you know, I think always and ever your slappers, which obviously I know she doesn't always slap because she can hit some home runs, but you, even your slappers, your power slappers, your, your bunters, they get overshadowed by those big hits. And I mean, but it's, she, she can do so much because you wouldn't, you step in that box, who knows? Power slap, high slap, bunt, hit a ball out, a double, hit it over the fence. And so that's, I'm sure she likes flying under the radar like that because then she kind of maybe even gets forgotten. And if you're forgotten from another team, perfect, because you're going to do that much more damage to that team. And, you know, I, I use Steady Eddie a lot too, but she's also one of those that she's so consistent and obviously consistent enough. She, um, Jada started the year out a little slow. And so coach is like, I'm going to throw her up in the leadoff spot. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of it is her in the leadoff spot, Jada in the leadoff spot, win-win either way. So the rotation, which, you know, um, back in the day, Christy Ring, Aaron Evans, and I would rotate back and forth like that um, in the same manner that she's doing right now. So it's just, it's better gameplay. Hey, if someone's just falling off a little bit, okay, I'm going to switch her here. And it just goes to show that one through nine will bite you at any time. And I just, I love her. I love her passion and her enthusiasm for the game. She's so much fun to watch. Her mother's hysterical. If nobody knows her mother, follow her on Twitter and watch for her at the game. She's so funny. Last one I got for you. Who, who else has caught your eye? Because these newcomers are pretty good in the circle, in the lineup as well. I think Ella Parker had a really good Sunday this past week. Who's? Who's caught your eye as someone that maybe we haven't discussed yet? Uh, ooh, man, the, the freshmen are really uh, – Pickering's doing great. Yes, um, it, I've seen all this, who's going to hit the first home run, and, you know, everyone gives all your normal names. Yeah, Hanson, of course, is probably the biggest one. And I'm thinking it might be Bland or – well, initially I said Bland, so I'm going to go with Bland. Just She's got um, – I call her Baby Allo from the left side. Because if you if you look at her when she swings, she reminds me of Alo as a freshman. Like they have the same kind of look to her. But man, Pickering's been doing really good. Um, I I almost feel like some of the pitchers this weekend 
might really pitch around some of our known big hitters. So it's going to be that, um, I'll say underdog, maybe even Boone. You know, they're going to they're gonna forget mm-hmm. about, they're going to be focused so much on all the ones you hear all the time hitting those home runs that a freshman or maybe even Boone gets up there and is like, I got this. So, I mean, but I'm, I'm impressed with, with Bland and Pickering right now, and I know they're kind of rotating in and out. Um, but I, they're – Man, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to p- pitch to Pickering just because she's. If you watch her when she's in her bat, and I, I think Coach talked a little bit about it, she doesn't look like her age. She the actual. You can see the focus when she gets up there. What she's looking at before she steps in the box. How calm she is, and she's probably just one of those people. All always the same way. She's just easy, like nothing ever really super excites her or anything like that. And then she gets in there and just evaluates it all, and then crushes it. Single, double, home run, whatever crushes it. So th- those are my my two go to right now for home runs at at Loves. I like it, and I was not in any way trying to put any extra pressure on oh. her. But when you hit a grand slam in your first ever at bat as a true freshman, first off, if you're good enough as a true freshman to break in the lineup with where OU's at right now, you're good. Yep. And then you hit a grand slam your first at bat. It's I almost took it as, all right, is this a sign that she's kind of next? Like the names that we're going to be talking about next after TRA and Jada and Kenzie and, of course, Riley Boone are gone. It's like that kind of feels like it's going to be a hint for future years. Like Cassidy Pickering is going to be one of the main faces of the program. It's hard for me not to think that after your first at-bats at Grand Slam. Well, and it's got like, you know, Grand Slams are just rare anyways because you got to get those four in front of you. And that's not always easy, um, especially like with our speed our speed of our team sometimes, you know, that's just not an option. So the fact that she stepped in and did it like it was no big thing. I mean, that, that just goes to show what, man, I can't imagine what she's going to be like as a senior. Cause she's going to have all that extra knowledge now. And then hopefully still that calm attitude. She is going to tear it up. And I look forward to it so much. So you're going on Saturday. Saturday will be your first trip to Love's Field. Yes. Um, uh, we, we got, Thank God my aunt, who's been a season ticket holder since 97, the when Marita Hines opened. Yeah, you. everyone knows where my aunt sits because she's the blonde right behind the backstop. Um, so she got she was able to get four season tickets. So I actually got season tickets this year. Thank God for my Auntie Faye. And so we'll, we'll be out at every Saturday game that we can. Section 13, if anybody wants to come see us. Everyone knows my aunt, so I know they'll see her and then they'll find me. Section 13 where, Section is where the 13. party's at. Maybe you'll see uh, Kelly on TV. Unless Terry Price is sitting behind the plate, and he's the only one that you can ever see because he's so tall. It's like, that's, oh, there's Terry sitting right that's there. That's true. <laughs> or or uh, my buddy Julia seems to always get on TV, too. She uh, was at the basketball game last night and got captured a few different times with our big win last night in basketball. So one of the, one of them, two will probably catch it. Yeah, Lexi Keys for three. That'll uh, she's yes. an OU Texas legend now. That was yes. that was amazing. Kelly, you're the best. I, I love it. I know everyone else loves it as well. We got to do this more often. I'll bug you more often to come on here and talk softball. But seriously, thank you for every single time you come on here. It's it's always the best. Well, thank you guys. Uh, I'm I'm really sad I didn't get to go out and see all of my West Coast friends that we met last year, or some from Wyoming and every all around. I was super sad. Told them I'll be out there next year. That way I can get a little better breakdown of the Mary Nutter. So Kelly Bride, national champ, all American, all around, just awesome individual as well. Uh, as always, we appreciate her time. Thank you, Boomer Center guys. 
the best. She is the absolute best. She's Kelly Bryce and so generous with her time every time she hops on. I just, I wish that could happen more often. And you know what? I'm going to make it happen more often. I'm going to bug Kelly. I said it last year and I did it and I did it again this year. Just the, the memories that she shares, the insight that she has. She's as good as it gets. As good as it gets. And hey, if you don't mind, I know a lot of you follow her on Twitter, uh, Kelly Bright. If you don't mind, because I know that you really appreciate it, but maybe send her a, a tweet and said, hey, I really like what you had to say on the Diamond Envy podcast. At K-W-R-A-E-Z-8. Kelly Bright, you'll find her on social media. She's great. Uh, okay, it, speaking of being great... That's what OU's recruiting class is looking like right now. I know we don't talk a whole lot of recruiting. We did a signing day special late last year, but just to fill everyone in on how recruiting's going for the 2025 class, let me read you the top three players according to Softball America. Kai Miner is an outfielder, ranked as the number one overall player in the 25 class by Softball America. Does anyone know where she's committed to? Yeah, she's committed to Oklahoma. Lexi McDaniel is the number two player in the country for 2025. Lexi is listed as a shortstop. She's committed to Oklahoma. Kendall Wells is the number three player overall. Catcher, utility player. Yeah, you guessed it. Committed to Oklahoma. So I know everyone nationally is thinking, when is this going to end? Like, when's this dominant run for OU going to end? Well... Here's some bad, bad news for all the haters out there. OU's got a crop of newcomers and freshmen that look real good right now. We just covered it with Kelly. So the future is bright when we get past Tiare and Kinsey and Jada and Riley Boone and some of the players that have been here for three or four years. You've got another crop of superstars coming up who are in the program right now. And you have the top three players in the 2025 class uh, committed for 2025. And some other really good players in that class as well. So to all the haters out there, this ain't ending anytime soon. It's not ending anytime soon. It just keeps going. It keeps going and going and going. They keep stacking talent and talent and talent. And that's what happens when you win national championships. You win the right way. You've got a coach and a coaching staff like Patty Gasso and JT and Jen Rosha. You now have the crown jewel of a stadium in the sport. You're moving to the best conference in the SEC. Life is good right now for OU softball, and I just don't see it slowing down. I really don't. I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. Um, pitching numbers have been really good so far. wanted to share the number that we've seen um, so far up to the season because OU does lead the Big 12 in ERA. And remember, some were questioning what was going to happen in the circle this year. Through 14 games, OU has a 0.73 ERA, nine shutouts in 14 games. Nine shutouts. In 14 games, sub-1 ERA once again this year for OU. That leads the Big 12. 67-game uh, win streak. I brought this up yesterday on the radio show. And I, whenever the win streak finally comes to an end, we'll, we'll really do our due diligence to celebrate that, whatever that number ends up at. But it's just kind of incredible because the 67 wins in a row is incredible all on its own. But then you factor in the modern era of the sport and how much the talent is spread out, more than it ever has been. That makes it more impressive. But just offhand, in the list that I had yesterday, I already threw it away, go figure. But just off the top of my head, I'm going to try to think of the teams that OU has beaten during this 67-game win streak. And I'm going to mention some teams that they've beaten more than once throughout this journey as well. 
They've beaten Washington. They've beaten Stanford. Nigel Kennedy really good last year. I think OU beat Stanford twice, right? They've beaten UCLA when UCLA was number one. They've beaten Utah. That's just out of the Pac-12. Big Ten, I can think of Northwestern, who's played in Oklahoma City recently. You've beaten Northwestern. In the ACC, you beat Clemson twice, who's a big-time upstart program. Florida State, who you've beaten twice and in a championship series and won a championship in the past seven years. You've beaten Florida State. Big 12 teams, Texas is a good program, beaten them multiple times. Oklahoma State, really good program, beaten them multiple times. Baylor, a good program, beaten them multiple times. That's who your last loss was to. Uh, in the SEC, you've beaten A&M. You've beaten LSU. You've beaten Kentucky. You've beaten... Um, who else? You've beaten Tennessee. You you beat you. It's like you've beaten the elite of the elites that's out there, and it's almost as if like, is this more impressive than OU's forty-seven game football win streak? Is it more impressive than UCLA's eighty-eight game win streak with John Wooden in men's college basketball? I don't know, but here's what it is like to use a college football analogy. OU's win streak right now, and all the great teams they've beaten, it would be like having a historic win streak where you've beaten Alabama. You've beaten Georgia. You've beaten Clemson. You've beaten Washington. You've beaten Michigan and Ohio State. Like, OU's had to roll through the best teams that this game has to offer, and they're still sitting with a 67-game win streak. It's incredible. It's crazy. And not every game has OU been able to pitch, uh, throw their ace, right? I mean, every other team, for the most part, has probably been able to pitch their ace, save their ace against OU, but OU's had to throw multiple arms and yet they've beaten every single challenger in the past 67 games. It's insane. Just absolutely insane. Enjoy the moment. I keep telling you that, but I want to reemphasize that point. Enjoy the moment because it's really special. Wanted to share a tweet I got this past weekend from at Dallas underscore Sooner. Says, this one just made me chuckle. I wonder how many OK State dads are out there living in pain because their young softball-playing daughter that loves Kelly Maxwell is now cheering eh, for the GOAT this season, LOL. Feel free to use this one for Diamond Envy or The Rush. Well, I did. Thank you for that. Yeah, there's some Oklahoma State parents out there like, yes, my daughter's all about softball. She loves Kelly Maxwell. And then Kelly Maxwell's at, uh, at OU now doing big things. Which, by the way, Oklahoma State transfers at OU. Fared quite nicely here recently. Kelly Maxwell being one. Lexi Keys with two incredible threes against Texas this year. Helped OU win the outright conference championship. Oklahoma State transfers have fared uh, quite nicely uh, for OU so far. Okay, let's wrap it up with this. Uh, It is game week, opening of Love's Field, kind of the, the main theme of the podcast today, but you've got five games this weekend. Of course, Miami of Ohio, 2 o'clock on Friday, is going to open up Love's Field officially. Then you'll turn around and play Liberty on Friday night at 5 p.m., Louisiana, 11 a.m., and then Liberty at 145 on Saturday, and then a game against Louisiana, 1230 on Sunday. Um, Going to be a tough test this weekend for sure. I Is there a top 25 team that you have to face this weekend? No, but Liberty's a good program, and we've seen what Liberty is capable of in the postseason here recently. Louisiana, I think Louisiana started the season in the top 25, I want to say, or at least at one point early on in the year, Louisiana was in the top 25. So some some good programs here. And I think the key for this weekend is, yes, the championship mindset, continue to be better offensively like you were at the Mary Nutter, 
but there's going to be a lot of pomp and circumstance this weekend. All that's going to be exciting. Don't let that be a distraction. Don't let that be a distraction. Don't let that be the reason why this historic win streak comes to an end and your first weekend in the new park. Don't let it be a distracting factor. Focus on what's going on in between the lines. Enjoy all that after, of course. you got many games to play at Love's Field, but it's going to be exciting. I mean, and the crowds are going to be packed. Uh, first time a lot of people are going to get to see this team this year. It's going to be a big-time weekend. But just to the team, do what you do. Look like you're comfortable immediately inside your new park because I'm sure this team hasn't really gotten to practice or really spend a whole lot of time in this new park. So just kind of everything will be new to this team as well. You'll have the home stand or the home fans in the stands per se, but you're going to kind of feel out this new park as well. So go out, take care of business against a good Liberty team, against a good Louisiana team. And I'm not going to sit here and predict that OU wins by five straight run rules. I think that they're probably going to get pushed in maybe one or two of these games because of what Liberty and Louisiana bring. But it's all about you this weekend. Go out, take care of business, and you should be uh, you should be just fine. Uh, okay, as always, appreciate Kelly Breitch for coming on, Cavens Group for being the title sponsor of the podcast, and for you as well for always sharing and interacting with the podcast. We'll talk to you on Sunday as we wrap up the first weekend of Love's Field right here on the Diamond Envy Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler McComas. <laughs>